All right, what a great song. How can we fathom God's love? What love is this? What a wonderful love. Our God, God loves us. The Bible says uh, we love him because he first loved us, and he loved us so much that he sent his son down to die for our sins and give us a home in heaven, which we don't deserve. So praise God for that. All right, the title of today, tonight's message is called Till All Have Heard, and we're going to be in the book of Acts chapter 13. So if you have your Bible handy nearby, uh, make sure you grab that and turn to Acts 13. Now, um, before I forget to say it, I probably will, um, I did a message recently out of Acts 13, 1 through 12. Uh, we'll go over that briefly, and then we'll get into some more of the passage, too. Uh, but let's take a look here. Remember, our family theme here on the first slide is share the good news. And what's the good news? It's simply the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God loved the world. He sent his son down. Uh, his son lived a perfect life died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. And then he went back, uh, after 40 days, he ascended back up into heaven and we anxiously await his return. And we're praising God that he loved us enough to do that and we have to share that good news with other people. So we'll be in the book of Acts here. Uh, the next slide tells us that the lesson set about 14 years after the resurrection of Jesus when the first missionaries were sent out to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And then it, uh, there's some statistics here on the next slide talking about the world today and, and how they've been reached. Um, there are 7,368 unreached people groups. That's groups that have less than 2% of Christ followers in that. That covers 42.6% of the world's people groups. That's pretty staggering. That's almost half the world. And when you think about that, that is unreached still. And it says, uh, the next point says, 2.16 billion people have had virtually no exposure to the gospel. Then the next one says, only about 9% of cross-cultural missionaries serve among unreached people groups. And then look at the last one on there. It says, less than one penny of every dollar given by Christians to all causes goes towards pioneer church planning among unreached people groups. Now, that's different in our church. In our church, all the money that you give to missions goes directly to the missionaries. Uh, we support them for a certain amount each month, uh, most of them around $100 a month, and they have other churches that support them as well, but they get every dollar. None of it is kept back. Uh, through Faith Promise Missions at our church, we give directly to the missionary. Well, the next slide after the statistics says, what is your reaction to, this, to these statistics? Well, my reaction is that there's a lot of work to be done, and it's, it, it's on all of us to share the gospel. It says today, we're going to see how the early church and believers began to take the gospel to all the world and how we can do our part today. So let's get right into our first point tonight. And the slide says, God sends his people to share the gospel, and that's found in the first 12 verses. And uh, it says, as the church met for a time of worship and fasting, they sensed the leadership of the Holy Spirit to set apart Barnabas and Saul to carry on the work God had for them. The church prayed and sent them out, having been led to do so by the Holy Spirit. And let's go ahead and take a look at these verses. So we'll go into Acts chapter 13 and verse 1 here. It says, Now there were in the church at, that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, 
the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, um, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed, they had laid their hands on them. They sent them away. So notice it says that, uh, that they said, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said this to them. They were led by the Holy Ghost to send these men out, and Paul and Barnabas were chosen. And it says, uh, if we go on to verse uh, 4, it says, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And look what it says in verse 5, And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And um, the, as we look at that, and we look at them being sent out by God, and what we consider it really the first, obviously the first of Paul's missionary journeys, but it's really the first picture we see of modern-day missions in the Bible where they're going out. Now, obviously, discipleship and, and things were already taking place among the Jewish people. Uh, you already had the disciples that were spreading the gospel, and we have other people that were doing it. And we see the work constantly was being added to the church. So it's not, it's not really the first, um, the first time people are telling people about Christ, but the first what we would call maybe an organized missionary uh, thing sent out by a local church. We see that going out. And it's exciting because it's God's plan for people to get saved. And then the last commandment God gave, we call it the Great Commission in Matthew 28, was to go and preach the gospel to every creature how do we do that? I can't preach to all seven, people, seven billion people that are in the world, but I could talk to the people in my circle of uh, who I come in contact with each day. And this next part, it just talks about them going in there. Uh, it said that they had ministered unto the Jews. They had preached unto the Jews. They preached the word of God. And then they go in here and they meet Sergius Paulus. It says in verse 7, uh, he was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul, and he desired to hear the word of God. And uh, we talked about this when I preached on this passage a while back. There was a sorcerer that got in the way. But the, the, the end of the story goes down to verse 12, where it says, Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. So if God intends for someone to get saved, nothing's going to stop that. No person, no, the devil's not. Um, they will try. But if the person's sincere about wanting to hear about Christ and wants to get saved, that's going to happen. In verse 7, it said he had a desire to hear the word of God. And then verse 12, it said when he saw what was done, he believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. See, a lot of times when we have to share the gospel, we don't always, um, we're scared of what to say. But the truth is, tell what the scripture says, tell how the simple plan of salvation, and share what God's done in our life, and that'll be enough. Well, let's go ahead and look at some slides that go along with this point. Uh, the next one is, is called Zoom In. It says, The sending of Paul and Barnabas by the church at Antioch illustrates that God established the church to make disciples and transfer the faith. You realize that uh, we mention this often in our church. Mountain Avenue Baptist Church does not save anyone. God does that. But the purpose of Mountain Avenue Baptist Church and Calvary Christian School and every ministry that we do here is to give people the gospel message that Jesus saves, the simple message that Jesus saves and you must be born again. And so, again, uh, the purpose of the church is to make disciples, transfer the faith, get out the good news, get out the gospel, and that's important. Then it says, apply it. It says, we are sent to share the gospel with people we come in contact with 
and join with others to send out missionaries. How do we do that? Well, in this church, we do a couple things. One, we, we, we witness where we can. We have tracts and different things we hand out. But we can put, in, uh, above our tithes and offerings, we can put in our church in faith promise. That money goes directly to the missionaries. We help support people that will go and tell in places that we cannot be and we cannot go. Then it says here, uh, next slide, what are some ways to meet and build relationships with people in our community and share the gospel with them? Well, you know, Brother Mike started this new program our church did with these cards right here. And it's a card that simply says, we prayed for you. And then on the back it says, I stopped and prayed for your home and the members of your home today. Please let us know if we can pray for you in any way in the future by uh, contacting us. And then it says, we love our community, so we are praying for our community. Uh, of course, it has our church contact information, but there's a place for us to put our name. So I could write Theo in here, and I could leave it for my neighbor, and they could know we're praying for them. See, that's one way in, that we can do that and build relationships with people in our community. Sometimes the, the people we don't know are the people that live right in our community, and we need to get to know them. And then it says, what opportunities are there for us to join with fellow church members to send and support missionaries? Again, we talked about it, reading the prayer letter, seeing their need, being able to pray specific. Uh, there's prayer bulletins. Every time you come into the church in the foyer, in the basket there, there's prayer bulletin. It tells a prayer list of people to pray for. And then it lists all our missionaries on the back. And there's always a prayer letter inside there that for one of the missionaries specifically, we get to learn. Our, we may not have met our missionaries, but we get to learn about them. We get to see a picture of them. And then we know specifically how to pray. And then if we all join, I don't have enough money to put in the offering plate to support a missionary by myself. But when I put my money in with other people in this church, Bible-believing church, we can gather together and send people to the field. And that's important because uh, the missionaries need our prayers. They need our financial support so that they can go and tell where we can't do that. Um, let's go on to, uh, so point one was simply um, that we were supposed to God, that God sends his people to share the gospel. And we saw that the Holy Spirit led Paul and Barnabas to share the gospel. Let's go on to the next slide, which is point number two. And it's that scripture is the basis of our message. And that's found in Acts 13, verses 13 to 41. It says, Paul used a variety of Old Testament passages to show how the entire canon of scripture points to the Messiah and how Christ fulfilled those scriptures. So, you know, we don't have to come up with something extra to say. We just got to tell what the scripture says. It tells the good news. The Bible tells us how to get saved in many, many passages. Uh, but one of, some of my favorites are in Romans. Some of it's in my favorite passage of all time for that is 1 John chapter 5. Uh, because it's so clear. And then in verse, 1 John 5.13, it says you can know you have eternal life. And that's great confidence, not in me or what I'm saying here, but in what God said in his holy word. And so if we stick with the, the scriptures, we'll be good. Let's go ahead and read in verse, starting in verse 13 of, uh, of, chapter, of this chapter. It says, now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, after that, after that guy got saved, it says, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departed from them and returned to Jerusalem. So now it's just, it was the three of them, now it's just Paul and Barnabas, and it says in verse 14, But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia. And they went into the synagogue, that would be the church of that day, for the Jews. And it says on the Sabbath day, and they sat down. So they're going, they, they basically are going to church. And they're going to the synagogue. They're going to hear about God. And look at verse 15. It says, After the reading of the law, that would be the scripture, 
the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue, said unto them, saying, You men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So basically at the synagogue, they went through what um, uh, the readings of different scripture and stuff in their normal routine. And then at some point in the message, they opened up the, uh, the floor to other speakers. They, they open it up to any, anybody in there. They say in verse 15, you men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So Paul and Barnabas take this opportunity. It says in verse 16, then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. In other words, hey, listen to what we're about to say. This is important. Verse 17, the God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. Of course, talking about Moses, God, and Moses putting up with that. Verse 19, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Chanan, he divided their land to them by lot. After that, he gave with them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel uh, the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king. God gave, him, gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had, had removed, and when he had removed him, he raised up on them, unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now, up to verse 22. Everybody in the synagogue would have been with him. They would have all been amening. They would have all been right with him, and they would have agreed with this. Why? As of this moment, um, Paul is just preaching right out of the Old Testament. But he's about to change and talk about Christ. And by the way, these people in this room did believe that there was a Messiah being sent by God. The problem is many of them did not realize that it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so up to this point in the sermon, everybody in there would have been in agreement with Paul and Barnabas, but that's about to change. Look at verse 23. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. This is talking about John the Baptist. He says, but behold, these cometh, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. That would be Jesus Christ. It says in verse 26, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is this word of this salvation sent. See, verse 26 is very important. He, he starts off talking about the Old Testament. He goes through a very brief history in the Old Testament, some scripture, and then he moves right on to talking about Jesus Christ because there's salvation in none other. And he says, as he, as he gets to that point on verse 26, he says, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, in other words, you Israelites, but look what it also says there, whosoever among you feareth God. You know, in, in, in the Bible it says, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever is everybody. We looked at that last week a little bit in our messages Sunday morning. But as you look at this, he says, who, not just the Israelites, but he says, whosoever among you feareth God, to you is word of this salvation sent. Uh, where were you when you heard the word of salvation? 
when you heard that Jesus Christ could save you and you could know for sure you're on your way to heaven. I was in a basement of a church and in a Awana program where an Awana leader took time to share the gospel with me and tell me how I could be saved. I still remember that. I know right where that church is in my hometown of Prescott, Arizona. But you know what? He wants, uh, Paul and Barnabas' job is for all to be saved just like Christ wants. And they're trying to get the word of God to everybody. Where do they start? The local church, in the town that they're in. And that's where they go, to the synagogue there. And he says, this word of salvation is sent by us. It says in verse 27, For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, laid him in a sepulcher. But look what it says here in verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. Uh, but God raised him from the dead. And he was seen many days of them, of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And he says, hey, it's no doubt that Christ came. No doubt that he was buried. But no doubt also that he rose again. And that's exciting. And he look what he says in verse 32. He says, we declare unto you glad tidings or good news how that the promise which was made unto the fathers God hath fulfilled the same unto us their children in that he hath raised up Jesus again as it is also written in the second psalm thou art my son this day have I begotten thee see Paul and Barnabas don't waste any time saying we are here to give you the good news and you know what the religious leaders took offense to that because they thought they knew all there was about the scripture. And you know what? They did. The problem is they didn't recognize that Jesus was the Messiah that was promised in the scripture. And because of that, even though with all their religious knowledge and all their religious tradition, they were on their way to hell because they didn't believe Jesus Christ was the, was the Messiah, the Son of God, just like we were before we got saved. And so Paul and Barnabas waste no time saying, hey, This message may sound harsh, but he says, we're bringing you glad tidings, good news that this is happening. And he says in in 2 Psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, in verse 33. 34 says, And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on the wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. And it says, Wherefore he saith also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one, to see corruption. That's directly out of Psalm 16.10. Uh, that's where that scripture is quoted from. Then in verse 36 it says, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep, or passed away, and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. But look what it says about Christ in verse 37. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. See, David, uh, even though he was a man after God's own heart, he had corruption. But Jesus Christ did not. In verse 37, it says, He whom God raised again, that would be Jesus, saw no corruption. Then he says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you, look what it says here, the forgiveness of our sins. And we talked about that on Wednesday night, just this past Wednesday, we talked about God's great mercy and love for us about, uh, about forgiveness. And then it says, look at verse 39, not only does he forgive us of our sins, but then it says, by him, All that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Again, teaching us that we're not justified by the law. Keeping the law is not going to save us. And that's what he's, he's preaching right to the crowd that would try to keep the law. 
And he says, the law is not there to save you. Jesus Christ is there to save you. And then he says, um, after he says, not justified by the law of Moses, then in verse 40 he says, Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold, you despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Guess what? Paul was declaring it under him. Jesus had declared it, but yet these guys missed it. And so he's given them this warning. It says in verse 41 where it said, Behold, you despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declared unto you. So we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful about having a head knowledge about God. We've got to be careful about um, going to church, thinking we're safe, getting baptized, getting we're, thinking we're safe, and all those things, and, and being religious or trying to do man's idea of religion and not know Christ as our personal Savior. We don't want to, you know, we're preaching to others. We don't want, we don't want ourselves to miss heaven and to miss eternal life because we don't believe. And so um, he, Paul and Barnabas just lays it straight out, and he does it in a very short amount of time, even though it seems like a lot of verses that we covered. But he tells them, hey, this is how it is. If you don't have Christ, you're not going to have eternal life. Why? Because, back, again, back at verse 37, it said, by he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Christ was our perfect Savior. There's no way I can die for your sin because I'm a sinner. There's no way you can die for me because you're a sinner. But Jesus Christ was perfect, saw no corruption, so that we could have eternal life. And he, and, he, and he made that very clear. And he made it very clear to the people in this church audience that Moses' law was not going to save them. They couldn't be justified by the law. But guess what? We're justified through Christ. I don't know if you ever heard the illustration. It's been said many times, even in this church. The word justified is like justified, never sinned. Why? Christ died on the cross. His blood was the atonement for our sins. And Jesus Christ is the intercessor and mediator for our lives. And so that's exciting for us. We get to go to heaven, not because of us, but because of what God provided a way of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. And because Christ paid that ultimate price on Calvary, we can have eternal life. And so, again, Paul and Barnabas aren't preaching to exclude these guys. They're trying to include them. And that's what we're trying to do. When it's, you know, the title of this message is called Till all have heard. See, we can't have everybody, we can't have everybody accept Christ as their Savior, but they all can if they want to. It's available whosoever. Remember we read that in the Bible? We, we read back in verse 26, whosoever among you feareth God. Whosoever, and that's important. Well, let's look at a couple, that's, that's the end of our second point, but let's look at a few slides that go along with that. The first one is zoom in. It says, Paul's sermon to those in the synagogue made it clear that God offers salvation and forgiveness through faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, everybody comes to God the same way through Jesus Christ. All right, the next slide says apply it. We study the Bible so we can accurately share the gospel. What does that mean, accurately? Tell people how they can get saved according to the Bible. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone. Um, in 1 John 5, 12, it mentions that if you have Jesus, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have eternal life. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Christ himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So the path is very clear. There's only one way. The world would teach that there's many ways, but there is one way. But we have to study the Bible so we can accurately share that with other people, that there's only one way to heaven, and let them know how they can be saved. And we've got to make sure they're not dependent on their baptism, their church attendance, their family, anything else to get to heaven other than Christ and Christ alone. 
And then uh, the next slide says, what basic truths from God's word do people need to believe in order to be saved? Well, obviously that, what I just said, God the Father sent Jesus the Son to this earth, live a perfect life to die. He was killed on the cross, he was buried, he rose again on the third day, and that's important that he rose again, uh, and, and a, a great symbol of us and our eternal life, that again, we have a physical death once, but then we're alive forevermore through Jesus Christ in heaven. Just exciting. And then it says on the same slide, what benefits are there to learning and memorizing scripture? Because it's our sure foundation, this book is everything to us. It's our final authority. It doesn't matter whether you disagree with what it says. It's still truth. See, the point is, is eventually our will is supposed to line up with God's will. But see, whether we like what it says or not, God lays out very clearly how we can be saved. And then by memorizing scripture, it guides our path. It keeps us on the right track. And again, realizing that's all of our parts to share the gospel with other believers. And then let's go on to our third and final point. And it says, some will accept the gospel message and others will not. That's just a fact of life. It's been that way from the beginning and it's the way now. People actually you know, saw, these, they saw the miracles of Christ himself while he was on this earth and many of them didn't get saved even though the great miracles were performed. And you'll see under this slide, it says, many of the Gentiles rejoiced, glorified the Lord, experienced the promise of eternal life. Many of the Jews, however, are, go, are going to or did respond in anger, incited the leaders of the city and their wives to anger, persecuted Paul and Barnabas for their message, and ultimately they ran the people out of town. So we see that in these last few verses. But let's take a look because there is some good things in these verses. In verse 42, it says, and when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, okay, the, the church is out, it says the Gentiles besought them that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now let's make it clear here. There's only two types of people in this synagogue or around, in this area. And it's the same today. Today we would call it the, uh, the saved and the lost, but you had God's chosen people, the Israel, and you had them, and, they, and, God, and God Jehovah was their God. The Gentiles would be the people that were of the non-Jewish faith. They would have been everybody else. You and, you and I are a Gentile unless, you're, unless you have a Jewish background uh, and, and so on. But see, um, he says, the Gentiles here are excited about this news. It says here that in verse 42, the Gentiles besought them that their words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. In other words, he said, hey, we're going to come back to church next week. We want you to be here and share some more about what you talked about today. Um, that's exciting. That means people are listening to the word of God. They're listening to what was taught. And then it says in verse 43, now when the congregation was broken up, look what it says here. So we have the Gentiles, but look what it says here. Many of the Jews and the religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So you have some Gentiles and you have some Jews that both say, we want to hear this matter again. We want to hear what you're having to say about Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And then look at verse 44. Look how many people came the next week. It says, the next Sabbath day came almost, almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. That's amazing. What a turnout. Could you imagine? You know, we invited, a, we invited as many people as we could for Easter service here at Mountain Avenue Baptist Church, but could you imagine if almost the whole town showed up here for church next Sunday. Man, well, first of all, they wouldn't fit. <laughs> uh, second of all, 
Uh, you know, we could put we could put speakers outside. We could we could we could have we'd have people just surrounding this area. It'd be it'd be way too many people. But this is a great response here. The word was there had to be a lot of chatter about this message and a lot of people talking about Jesus. A lot of people inviting people to hear what was heard. And it says um, that the, almost the whole city came. And then in verse forty-five, it says, "But when the Jews saw the multitudes, now remember." This isn't all Jews. It's talking specifically about the religious leaders of the synagogues. It says, when the Jews saw the multitude, look what it says here. They were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. See, as you look at this, there was people that were jealous that just because they attracted more people. If you are a sincere Christian, you won't care you know, how many people show up uh, to hear the word of God, and you don't care who's giving the message. See, the Lord's privileged me to give a message tonight. Um, he gave Brother Lester the privilege this morning. Sometimes it's Brother Mike. Sometimes it's Brother LJ. Sometimes it's a visitor. Sometimes it's Pastor himself. But you know, the truth is, no matter who's speaking, we should desire that as many people will come and hear the message of what the pastor has to say or what the preacher has to say when the word of God is being Proclaim, But see, these guys were envious. They were jealous because of the crowd that was drawn. But look at verse 46. This is not going to matter to Paul and Barnabas. Look what it says here. Then Paul and Barnabas. Sorry, my page stuck here. <laughs> then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. Man, what a comeback. I mean, you've ever been in a situation and you just needed a righteous comeback to somebody? See, the, the religious leaders there, they're all upset because of the crowd that's come and they're upset at Paul and Barnabas. But look, that doesn't change what Paul and Barnabas are there to do. They wax bold. They're not going to waste the opportunity to talk to almost the whole town about the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, we can't worry about who's going to get saved and who's not going to get saved we just have to give the message regardless of the opposition. And boy, do we have opposition in this world today. We just have to give the clear presentation of the gospel, let the Holy Spirit do the work, and let God do the saving. The truth is, some will get saved and some won't. We just do the job to get the word out. And it says, um, but look what he says to him. It says, it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But then he says, you put it from you. In other words, you're rejecting our message and you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. In other words, you're disqualifying yourself because you won't hear the message. You're more worried about the crowd than you are the message. And we've told you that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And so they're, they're missing out on the message. And so he says, you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Well, in other words, you don't want to hear what we have to say, so look what Paul says. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. In other words, if you won't listen, we're going to give the message to the Gentiles. And you know what? Jewish people were being saved. Gentile people were being saved. Paul and Barnabas didn't care. They just wanted people to get saved. They didn't care whether they were Jew or Gentile. They wanted to see their need of salvation and accept Christ, same as we would today. And then it says in verse 47, For so hath the Lord commanded to us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. See, Paul was destined to give the word of God to the Gentiles. Now, that doesn't mean he did not give it to the Jewish people, and he did not witness to the Jewish people, but Paul knew that it was his calling to give the message to the Gentiles. Remember, 
uh, we, could, we could put it this way, the Jewish people had been spoiled with their knowledge of Jehovah God, and the Gentiles were kind of left out of the picture. But not by God, by man. So they weren't left out because of God, or because of God. they were left out because of man. And so he says, I have set thee to be a light for the Gentiles, that they shouldest be for salvation. Look what it says, unto the ends of the earth. What's that another way of saying? Whosoever. See, the ends of the earth would be whatever people are there. Whosoever. And then it says here, um, in verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, look what it says. They were glad and they glorified the word of the Lord. See, what did Paul and Barnabas say? We bring glad tidings. It was supposed to be received with joy. But it was rejected and not received with joy, but not by the Gentiles. It says in verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And look what it says. As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And really, we could read that as many believed were ordained to eternal life. Because obviously you have to believe to have eternal life. But as you look at that, there were some Gentiles that heard it and got saved. But guess what? Just like the Jewish people, there were some Gentiles that would have rejected the message as well. But see, the ones that heard it and believed, they're glad. See, you and I are happy. We're happy we got the message. We're happy that we accepted Christ as our Savior. But as many as attained that. And look at what verse 49 says. Because of this, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. It wasn't published throughout all the region by just Paul and Barnabas. It was published, what they said was published by everybody. everybody. All the believers were sharing it. People that got saved were sharing it. What does it mean to be published? It means to be told. Okay. Then in verse 50 it says, look what happened. But the, the Jews, again, this would not be all the Jews. It would just be the religious leaders and the ones that were jealous of the crowd. Okay. It says, the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and they raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from out of their coast. Uh, they, just, they just kicked them out of town, literally. But look what it says here in verse 51. This is how Paul and Barnabas took it. See, you and I get leery of, of sharing the gospel with somebody because we're afraid they're going to reject us. Here they were accepted by a group of people, but then they were rejected by a large group of people. But look what it says here. They shook off the dust of their feet against them, and they came unto Anconium. In other words, they're kicked out of this town? Okay. Time to go to the next town and share about Jesus Christ and his love. But look at verse 52. The disciples were filled with joy, and look what else, with the Holy Ghost. See, they were excited. They were uplifted by this. Why? Many people were getting saved. See, sometimes we just focus on the negative. Man, I've witnessed to, I witnessed to 100 people, and nobody's accepted the Lord. I've, I've asked a ton of people to come to church. They haven't responded to my invitation. But you know what? Just be faithful. God will bring the fruit. It's, it's not our responsibility. It's not our responsibility for the person to get saved. Our responsibility is to try to get them the message so they can get saved, but our, our responsibility is simply to give the message and to tell people how they can know for sure they're on their way to heaven. It's up to God to do the saving. It's up to God to do that. But it says as it ends the chapter here, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. So let's look at the last slides, a few slides that go along with this. Uh, the next one is apply it. We share the gospel at every opportunity, knowing some will accept it, and again, others will not. Look at the next slide. Does knowing some will reject your message encourage you to share it more or discourage you from sharing it all? Why? See, we can look at it pessimistically or negatively and say, why even bother? I'm telling all these people about Jesus Christ. I'm trying to get them. They don't even want to listen. They don't want to hear about it. Should that stop us from giving out the word of God? No. 
See, somebody didn't give up on you, and they didn't give up on me. See, uh, many people, most people, I would say, hear the gospel more than once. And eventually the Holy Spirit leads them, and they, 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 they come to a point where they have to make a decision to accept or reject it. We can't give up just knowing that many people are going to reject. What about those people that are going to accept? That's what we got to look at. we got to look at it optimistically. we got to say, okay, I'm going to give every, you know, pastor says this often, everybody deserves a shot. What does he mean? Everybody deserves a shot at salvation. And then to live the victorious Christian life and the joy that's found in it. And then it says, how can we prepare ourselves to be ready to share the gospel when opportunities arrive? Just be like Paul and Barnabas. They waxed bold. They took their opportunity. When those men said in that church service, the very first one, back in verse 15, it said, you men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. You know what? Paul and Barnabas could have just stayed in their seats and not said anything. But you know what? There was an opportunity to witness. And so we just have to be ready when the opportunity arrives to tell somebody. We never know when somebody's going to hear about our Savior. And we can't pass up the opportunity. We need to give them the gospel. Then the last slide here just says, live it. And it says, what are some ways uh, we can reach out to the community and the city? We talked about this as one option. Uh, these prayer cards, but tracks are another way. Or if somebody uh, in our community, in our city, if we hear of somebody that needs help, maybe something happened, a tragedy or something, we can, we can reach in and, give, and, and, and be able to be a light in that situation. Uh, don't forget back in the very first part of the chapter when they were calling them, uh, they said that um, they were to be a light in there, okay? And so as we look at that, it says, how could we become more involved in reaching people in other parts of the world? We'll have a couple ways. One, prayer, always. We can always pray. It's free. Prayer is something you can do. And it's what empowers the ministry. Prayer, you know, there have been, we talk about like a lot of our senior saints being prayer warriors. But the truth is, it doesn't matter what age you are. You could be a little kid. You can be a, a teenager, adult, older adult. It doesn't matter. We can all be prayer warriors. And, 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 and prayer is important because it's where the power comes from. And then, how do we get involved? Well, if you have, if God's blessed you financially, uh, we give our tithe to the church. That's our 10%. We give that to the church. But above that, we, we can give other offerings. And in our church, we call it faith promise. But whatever, uh, maybe your, whatever missions program your church has, the importance of just giving a part. And don't think, man, I only have a dollar a week to give. I only have $5 a week to give. I only have this. I only have that. That doesn't matter. You put it in the offering plate by faith knowing God will multiply it and use it with everybody else's offering to support missionaries. And, you know, again, I mentioned it. We have the prayer list with all the missionaries listed. Learn who they are. Learn what field they're going to. And then pray for them in that era as well. And then pray for our local church here. As we do outreach in the community and we give out the word of God, we have next week in our school, uh, not this coming week, but the following week, we have graduations where the word of God's going to go out. Uh, and just pray it'll go out with power. Many of the school families that don't, don't know Christ as their Savior, uh, they'll come to know him. But pray for those opportunities. Again, it's a chance to reach out to our community. Well, I'll tell you what, hopefully you've been challenged to share the word of God today. I know Paul and Barnabas were. This was just the start of their missionary plan, but they were, they were there, and they knew they had a job to do. And I love that verse where it says, Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. That's what you and I got to do. We got to wax bold in getting the gospel out. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. Let me close in a word of prayer, and let me encourage you to be back in person. We'll be back in person and online on Wednesday night. 
But let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and we thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for this word out of Acts chapter 13 where Paul and Barnabas did uh, uh, proclaim the gospel and many believed. We praise you for that, Lord, and we praise you that the message hasn't changed, the salvation through Jesus Christ. Lord, we do pray for our church and we pray for our pastor. We pray to strengthen him. Pray for each person in our church. Help us to be bold soul winners for you, to wax bold. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good night and have a good week.